Revelation 21, verse 9. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me, John speaking, the apostle, uh, very old, at this point in his life, he came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, and I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Also she had a great and high wall with twelve gates and twelve angels at the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. And now the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city. Obviously, that's a fat max, if anybody is a carpenter. Which about Nobody cares. Uh, he had a golden reed, golden tape measure, to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. And the city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. Um, and he measured the city with the reed 12,000 furlongs, which... I don't know if you guys measure in furlongs, but that's 1,380 miles. I don't use the furlong measurement anymore. Its length, breadth, and width are equal, so it's a cube. And then he measured its wall, one, 144 cubits, that's like 215 feet high, one uh, according to the measure of a man that is of an angel. And the construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones, the first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third uh, uh, that kind, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the seventh eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth uh, that kind again, uh, but a little different, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. It's like it's like cruel of of God to make somebody with a lisp read through that list of gemstones and precious minerals. The twelve, not really, I'm just joking. Um, the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. I'm going to read a little further, but I'll just say, I had Judah read this yesterday. And you know what's cool about a nine-year-old reading about his future, like, castle, kingdom, domain, like, this is... You know, he, he put down the Bible and authentically, because he's not, you know, he's not disingenuous. Judah says, wow, that's amazing. This sounds awesome. He's like, streets of gold, Jasper, it's like clear, it's like a diamond. You know, this is, it's like a castle. It's just amazed, you know. I think we lose that. I think we've lost it, right? This is uh, we'll, we'll talk about it in a second. Let's go a little further, just to the end of chapter 21. But I saw, John says, no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb 
are its temple. The city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring the glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there, and they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall be no means, there shall be by no means anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie. There shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Lord, we've read your word together. Lord, now please help us to understand and make sense of it. And uh, Lord, for it to be written in our hearts, Lord, we pray this in your name. Amen. So verse 9, Then one of the seven angels who had seven bowls filled with the last seven plagues came to me and talked with me. You know, the, the way that John uses that description, he could have just said an angel, but he, he says that the angel, one of the angels that laid down this great judgment on the earth was the one that said, Hey, come and I want to show off the lamb's wife, the bride. I want to I want to show her off to you. And that's really what's being done. God is in a sense showing off his bride. Much the same way I had to, you know, my wife, I don't think anybody nobody was here that was there, but uh, you know, my wife showed up at a job site the other day. And she was wearing a beautiful green dress, and I so wanted to compliment her, but I thought it might sound, you know, uh, I didn't want her to feel awkward at the same time, but there's just that in us. You know, when we love someone, we, when we, we, we adore someone, we want other people to see the same thing that we really see. And that's what God is doing. But, you know, that description of the angel, he says, the angel that judged is now going to be the angel that shows, shows somebody else. You know, it's interesting. Parents, we are called to correct our children, but we're called to do it in love. You know, when I worked in corrections, which is very different, than being a parent, and at the same time, very similar. You know, there'd be times, and I know this is probably, you guys don't care, but there'd be times where we'd literally handcuff a kid, right, because he was, he was violently going after somebody else, and that was necessary. But it was also just as necessary for me, because the next day when I came in, that kid is not just gone and removed, just like our children are not gone and removed when we correct them. There was the necessity of love. There was the necessity to show love so that I could continue to build a relationship with even this kid that had broken the rules or broken the law or become assaultive or whatever. There had to be that because there was a future for us both together. And this angel, look, you know, we people get entirely wrong perspectives of who God is or what angels do. Man, just as it was right for this angel to judge and bring the bowls of wrath upon the earth, now he's doing something beautiful and wonderful. And that both are true. You know, we're increasingly living in a world that says it's this way or that way. And there's no both. There's no both. We see both a lot in Scripture. And we're fools if we just think it's all this way or all that way. We've got to be true to what the Word of God says. Many times, it's both. Does man have a choice in his salvation? I believe so. Is God sovereign completely? I believe so. It's both. It's both. Right? Um, so this angel is showing off the bride. 
Look, I don't know what kind of bride you guys think you are, but I know what kind of bride I am. You know, if we remember the Old Testament story of Hosea and his, uh, you know, harlot of a wife, Gomer, he has to go, God tells him, hey, look, I want you to go to the slave block. Your wife's been a prostitute for for a long time now, and, and she's worth nothing in that trade anymore. I want you to go buy her back. Just that is, I know for myself, I don't have to be told by anybody else or any preacher or any, that's what the word describes me as. Uh, basically, I'm I'm Gomer. So when we get to heaven, and God is showing me off, that blows my mind. I know who I really am. I have been covered by His grace. Like He's showing me off for eternity. You know, it's not like you know this is my wife, but okay, back in the shadows, honey. I don't want anybody to see you. He is showing. This angel is showing off the bride. You think God loves the church? He does more than any of us love our children. You know, you think He is for us to see us grow and grow in love and mature? Yes, of course. But His love covers a multitude of sins. And for eternity, he's not going to be like, well, I had to bring you in here because you confessed my name and said the right things and you live for me, but you know, I don't really want you. That's not it at all. He adores his church. He adores you. You know, the, Jesus said when one lost sinner repents, there is a party in heaven. I was just joking with a friend. I, I, I don't even think it should be a joke. How different would our churches be? I mean, you'd have people maybe repenting for the party, you know, if we literally followed that example. You know, I had a friend that just came back to the Lord after, what, 10-year prodigal run. And I told him, we ought to throw you a party. That would be in line with Scripture. That would be in line with what the Word says. And not just let you, like, slink back in the church like nothing. Else. We, should, we should bring everybody's attention to the fact that Jesus just saved another lost person. You know what? He's so, you know, young and zealous and that zeal, that fresh Christian zeal is there. Man, he's like, I'd be down with that. <laughs> I know who saved me. You know, this is what God is going to be doing, you know, for eternity. Let me show, you, show off the bride, the Lamb's wife. And John says, this angel carried him away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and he showed me the great city. Now that should kind of stand out to you, because I like cities and all. I'm kind of more of a city dweller than a, like, Lincoln, 5,000-ish people. Like, this is the smallest, you know, place I've ever lived, right? But when, as much as I like urban, I know what comes with it. I know what comes with it. Crime, murder, sex trafficking disgusting things that we don't even want to think are real or exist. And some of them are right in the storefront. Like, it's not even like, they're not even trying to hide. I remember, you know, Kensington, Philly. I'm, I'm kind of from that area. Um, I had some friends go down. They were doing a, you know, like a short-term missions trip in one of the inner city churches. And they said that there were three overdoses, heroin overdoses or fentanyl overdoses, uh, not in just a day, not in just a few hours. There were three. They were talking to a guy, and he overdosed. They looked across the street. Another guy overdosed, so they called an ambulance. And then a third guy, within eyesight, I mean, all they can see is like a quarter of a block. The paramedics are going over there, too, at the same time. You know, but this, what God is bringing down, you know, what God is giving, what he's been working to prepare for us, a physical place, new heavens and a new earth and a new city, and he calls that city great. 
Now, let me ask you this, right? Because sometimes, I don't know if you're like me, I have, I, I, I both love people and I both love isolation. And, uh, you know, uh, too many people all the time, right, can, can, that can cause problems. You know, we need time alone with the Lord, just like Jesus got away from even his disciples. But, the, but totally isolated is bad, too, right? And I guess I would just want to make the point that in heaven, we will be in community. Like, we'll be with other people, and it will be great. So think about this. Believers that you hate their guts, right, that you struggle to forgive, that you're bitter against, they will be there too. So what should we do now? Right? Remember, it's a great city. It is great in God's estimation to be close with other people and around other people. And there will be no heavenly hermits. People that are all by themselves doing their own thing. That's not the way that it works up there. And God is trying to show us, teach us something for how we act and process conflict and hurt and difficulty, even betrayal down here. He says this city is going to be great. I believe him. He says it's called the, whole, the, the Holy Jerusalem or the Heavenly Jerusalem. And he says this, and this is said a couple of times. He says it descends out of heaven from God. You know, when something is descending to me, it, it is a reminder to me that I didn't ascend to it. It is given. You know, a gift from me to my child is handed from me to them. It's not something they've earned you know, and worked for, it is something that's given. You know, think about it, guys. We're being shown off in heaven for eternity. We are given something descends to us that we never earn and we don't deserve. Right? And look, listen, this great city, right? I hope you're following. We've got a new heaven and a new earth. To me, and I, you, you can have your own opinion, the heavens speaks of the universe the earth speaks of the physical place, a new heaven, new earth, whole new universe created out of nothing. And then within this new earth and these new heavens is a great city. You know, we're not stuck there. We read that the gates are open, right? We're not stuck there. We don't hate it there. But this city, this great city, has the glory of God. And that's unlike any city that I've ever been. There's some cool things people have made. You know, there's some great places. I, I love architecture. I love cities for that reason. I like, so, you know, there's things you can do in a big city that you can't do anywhere else, right? Good things, right? But this one is truly, it has the glory of God. Everything is as it should be. And her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Maybe the jasper stone is a diamond. It's, it's, uh, it, it, we're going to kind of imagine this angel is saying, hey, I want to show something off to you, the bride. And I want to show off to you the place that the husband, the bridegroom, made for his bride. It's like we're taking a tour. We are taking a tour in a mansion, a dwelling place that Jesus promised his disciples in John 14. And you guys, you guys know, you, you know the verse. Maybe like me, you got to turn there and read it. Um, but in John 14, Jesus said, Let your heart not be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, I am going to prepare a place for you. He's making a place for you. He is a construction worker. He's not working with form, you know, he... Uh, 
he's creating out of nothing. And it's a beautiful thing, guys. And if I go and prepare a place to you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. You know, look, Jesus said that to his disciples the day before he was crucified. And if I'm reading the Bible right, when Jesus was crucified, he looked out and only counted one of his disciples in the crowd, and that was John. One out of the eleven that remained stood by his side. All the rest left. But yet he promised them, I believe, knowing that that would happen the night before, I'm coming back for you. I'm making a place for you. And here he's showing off that residence, if you will. He describes, verse 12, that she, this city also had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates. Um, Peter is not mentioned being at the gates. So when people say, hey, when you get to heaven and Peter's at the gates, it doesn't say that anywhere. How people came up with that, I don't know. You know, uh, 12 angels at the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. So, okay, you want to know how my mind thinks? I think, okay, why are there gates if they're never shut or opened? You know, we, we read that they're, they're, there's, they're never shut, so why even have a gate? Well, to get in, there's, uh, there's an entrance. And, uh, you know, that funnels people through something. Think about this. Like when you come into a school, a lot of schools have a trophy case. Why do they put it near the entrance? Because they want you to come in and see all the great things that have happened at that school, right? And when we come into heaven, there is a trophy case, if you will. And on it, it has the names at each one of these 12 gates of one of the tribes of Israel. Because obviously, right? You guys paying attention? Obviously, when we read the Old Testament... The tribes of Israel could do nothing wrong. They were perfect in all their ways. And that's why we're looking at them in the trophy case, right? Now, if you go back to the 12 tribes and who they were named after, and I've done this often, right? You got the oldest, Reuben, slept with stepmom. You've got Simeon and Levi, murdered a whole town in defense of their sister. I think they went a little overboard, right? You've got Judah hanging out, and I'm going in birth order here, hanging out with, with, with prostitutes, won't, won't do his responsibility as a father, father-in-law, right? You've got all of these stories, this really messed up, mixed up, screwed up family that all of these tribes came from, right? Uh, you guys remember with me, you know, this was the family, this was the same family where all these tribes came from in Israel that lied to their dad about Joseph, the, the youngest, and said he was killed by a wild animal, and they kept that secret for 20 years. This is the family with which God started the nation of Israel. And we walk into heaven, we have to come through a gate, and what do we see? We see their names inscribed. Why? Because they are trophies of God's grace. They're trophies of His grace, just like we are. They are on display, not because of their righteousness, but because of God's goodness and faithfulness. And I like that. We will funnel through. I think we'll be going in and out, exploring a new heaven and a new earth. And every time we come in, we're going to see their names. And we're not going to be like, oh, yeah, Reuben was awesome. The tribe of, I mean, the, the Danites, they really had it together. Judah, you know, the tribe of Benjamin, oh, they never, they could do no wrong. Just read your Bible. Just read your Bible. It's amazing. That's why I think there's gates. That's my take. There's three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. You know what that tells me? In heaven, there's direction. There's direction. It's a physical place. 
It's real. It's not a cloud. Right? I think I said it last time, but I'm not I'm not floating around in a diaper playing a harp. Like that's that's not my heaven. Does that appeal to you? Right? No, no it shouldn't appeal to you, right? <laughs> It'd be weird, you know? All of us in all of our diapers, you know? It'd be weird. That's not heaven. New heaven and new earth, and it's a real heaven and a real earth with real direction and a real sense. I don't know, even like time. People say, there'll be no time there. I don't know. There's direction. There's north, south, east, and west. If God wants to create it a certain way, he can do whatever he wants. Uh, now, we're, now we're speculating. Now, uh, chat, uh, uh, verse 14. Now the wall of the city had 12 foundations on them, and they were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Okay, it's kind of the same thing. We talk about the trophies of grace that the tribes of Israel are, right? You have to funnel through the gates and you're reminded how gracious and good God is. Right, you look at the foundations of this giant cube city, right? 1,380 miles this way, 1,380 miles that way, 1,380 miles the other way, right? You look at the 12 foundations, right? And whose names are on those? Guys like Matthew, the tax collector. Guys like Peter. Guys like James and John, the sons of thunder. Guys like Simon the Zealot, right? Some of us are getting pretty zealous, right? And, uh, oh, I probably shouldn't say this. Look, Simon the Zealot started as a zealot and became a follower of Jesus Christ. He had to learn to get along with Matthew, the tax collector, and they were on two different extremes. So just make in your redemption story sure that God is transforming you into his disciple and that you don't just stay a zealot forever, right? If that doesn't mean anything to you, then just let it slip on by, right? God is transforming all of us. He's changing all of us, right? There are things to be zealous about and there's things to trust the Lord about. Now the wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Not because they were awesome, perfect, or stellar, but because these guys were, again, trophies of God's grace. And look, what did the disciples do that maybe somebody today doesn't do? They hung on to the one that they know is their Savior and their Lord, and they lived their life for them. And guess what? Uh, and not to make a play on words or a pun or try to sound fancy, but what they did was foundational for the church. So when you latch on to the promises of God and the person of Jesus Christ, what will you be laying for your children or the people that you know or the people that work for you or work around you? You're laying a foundation that can be built upon. And when we get to heaven, we're going to say, Peter, your name is on that wall. And Peter's going to be like, dude, if you only knew what a buffoon I can be, you know, or I was. If you only knew, I mean, you, there's what you read about in Scripture, but even that was gracious. Even that was forbearance. Like, if they had included everything, you'd have no respect for me. Verse 15, he, he who talked with me, this angel, had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates and its wall. The city is laid out as a square. I like this. Jesus, you know, he was a builder. Not just with wood, but with stone too, because that was the most natural, that was the building material of that area. He's a builder. He worked with his hands. What's he doing now? He's working with his hands. 
He knows when something's square, he knows when something's out of square. And it's, this is going to be square. It's measured. It's right. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed. 12,000 furlongs. Like I said, 1,380 miles, uh, you know, length, height, and width. And they're all equal. So what do you think he's describing? A cube, I think, you know. Yeah, take it or leave it. You know, it's, it's 1,380 miles tall, it's 1,380 miles wide, 1,380 miles long. Anybody see Star, Star Trek with those weird assimilating creatures, the Borg? Get that idea out of your mind. It's not a gray, you know, floating cube that just floats through space. And I don't know, you guys are Trekkies, so don't, just, if you know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, then he measured its wall, 144 cubits. It's got this wall according to the measure of a man that is of an angel. So why does it have a wall? You know, who's going to be trying to attack this city? Is, I, you know, personally, I think this is just... When I'm doing a project for somebody, I want it to look good. And, uh, you know, like a building project. And, I mean, you can just throw sheetrock on a room and, and put up the most basic everything. But it's it's kind of nice to do, like, a focal point or an accent or something fancy to just bless them, you know, because they'll like it. I think walls are there because of little kids like me, right, that love castle walls, that always wanted a castle. My little turrets, towers, pinnacles, places to play. Like, I just think all, all the little kids in heaven, and there will be, uh, and I don't know how all that works, whether they age there, whether how, how that... You know, don't, don't, I mean, if a baby dies, you know, before it's even born, if it dies young, where do they grow up? Are they suddenly a man in heaven? I don't know. I don't know the answers to these things. But I think there'll be enough of us there that are like, I always wanted huge 215-foot walls to play on. And God will be like, here you go. I did this to bless you. Maybe it won't bless you because you don't like castles. That's fine. You can have another part of this New Jerusalem that'll be suited to you because we're individuals made in God's image. He's a blessing God. He's a giving God. Look, so... Hey, Dad, what time is it? I don't have a way to look. Okay. We're not going to get to 22, but let's let's just talk about um, a couple things here because they're fascinating to me. The construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold like clear glass. So whatever it is, it's clear. And I, I don't know if you've been to any 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 cities here boy all the planes and motorcycles this is like ground zero for them all right anyway i don't know if you've ever been to a city but things are kind of like you got the nice and then you have solid uh, what is it opaque or like light can't go through you have you have things that hide other things and in heaven there'll be no hiding there'll be nothing secret in a in a in a dirty way or like it needs to be put away kind of way the city was a pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the walls of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation, and, and I don't want to go through this list because it's wicked hard for me. Um, all of those gemstones, right? And then 21, the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. Look, like I said, when Judah read through that, his, his comments were like, Wow, a pearl for a gate. How is that? How does that work? And you know, um, look, I don't know. I think of pearly gates, and I've said this before, like streets of gold, you know. I don't know. I don't, I don't worship gold, so I'm, I'm more concerned about 
who is there. And, and I'll read only just one verse more. 22 says, But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. So I think we'll be walking into this beautiful place, looking at all this beautiful stuff that's suited just to, you know, what, what the Lord knows would bless us. But the reason that heaven is going to be heaven is not because it's beautiful, not because, you know, uh, of anything we've done, not because it's just great and, and there's a lot of grandeur there. There's no temple there. Because he's there. You know, the answer for all of our whys, the answer for all of our pain, the answer for all of our stuff in life, the answer, the reason, you know, the thing, is more than a thing, it's more than an it. There's no, it doesn't have to be a temple. He is there. He is there. Should hope for. Now, I want to say one last thing, and if you would, please, just, just so, I don't know, because it's good for us. But turn to Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54, verse 11. You know, this angel describes all these gemstones, and like, there's a lot of speculation on what these gemstones mean, what they do, what they... And look, I, I, I don't collect gemstones. Like, I had a rock in my pocket yesterday because it was cool, and I'll tell you who likes gemstones and different... I mean, we went on vacation a few weeks ago, and everywhere Judah looked, there was gold, but it was fool's gold, but it was really, you know, um, some other mineral. Anyway, he likes that stuff. He likes that stuff. And there's a little kid locally, and I don't, I don't want to get say too much, um, but a little kid had cancer, uh, ended up passing away from it. But I'll tell you, this kid loved minerals, precious stones, gemstones like nobody I had ever met. And I'm not saying that this little kid, just him, is the only reason why the foundations are adorned in heaven with all of these stones. But wouldn't that be just like the Lord to do something like that? What's the reason for this? This one person? Because I knew they would be here and they'd love it. It would mean something to them. Sam, you don't care about gemstones. Just keep on walking by for you. But for that little kid, something to him. And, you know, I'm doing his uh, celebration of life in a few weeks. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you, and anybody that's listening, I think I'm, it's in Isaiah 54, verse 11. And, uh, you know, I shared this with his parents, you know, uh, a long time ago. And uh, it's kind of more to the but you can follow along. Isaiah 54, verse 11. It's you afflicted one, tossed with tempest and not comforted. Going through the storms of life and it hurts. Right? This is what God says. Behold, I will lay your foundations with colorful gems. And I'll lay your foundations with sapphires. I will make you pinnacles, towers of rubies, your gates of crystals, and all your walls of precious stones. Like to say that this kid loved gemstones was an understatement. They were everywhere in his house. And towards the end of his life, that's what he wanted the most. He wanted people to send him rocks. He loved rocks. And I was just reading through this one day and thinking, man, oh, you afflicted one, tossed with tempest, not comforted. Like it's, it's hard right now. I'm going to make your foundations in heaven with the most beautiful things you could ever dream or imagine. I'll make you towers of rubies, your gates of crystals, all your walls would be of precious hand-picked stones. And this 
particularly for his parents. All your children should be taught, shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. I just think of that little boy entering, entering heaven, and the Lord saying, "Hey, this may mean nothing to Sam Evans, but this was done for you." And uh, you know that that reminder that man, what we're what's ahead of us is not calamity. What's ahead of us is a for sure forever with the God that created us, gave us new life, and will do things that will blow our minds throughout eternity. And the entrance to that kingdom is grace. It's his gift for anyone that would accept it. Man, that just sounds good to me. I think it should sound good to you in our affliction, in our being tossed with tempest, in our not being comforted by this world, because this world does not contain that which comforts us. This world is going to go away, and that which is eternal is going to come and stay. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what we've read. Lord, may it affect our lives. Lord, help us, help us now to trust you. Lord, we can read these things and know from, you know, 800 years before Jesus to, you know, 50 years after him, you know, the word was consistent, describing what, you know, the new heavens, the new earth, and this new city is going to be like. But we can read all of it, and it can only go, you know, skin deep, Lord. We need it to go so much deeper than that. We need to hold on to something that's real and of substance, Lord, something that helps us when we're afraid, helps us when we uh, wander, Lord. Helps us when we mess up, Lord. And uh, Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would change our nation by changing us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, grace and peace, guys.